Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This episode, I get to speak to Samantha Briggs, legend, hero, an example for many. Sam tells me about what her life is welcome like now. She's welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. So let's get to it. I'm very excited to have a true CrossFit legend and hero or heroine to many people on the show this week. Welcome to Sam Briggs, who not only held the title of Fittest Woman in 2013, but has had a total of eight appearances at the CrossFit Games and is celebrating her birthday tomorrow. Welcome, Sam. Thank you very much. It is my birthday tomorrow, but I've actually been to the Games 10 times. Oh, I've got you down as eight which ones did I miss out? Yeah, nine times as an individual and once in the Masters when oh. I had my elbow surgery in 2018. You need to get the CrossFit Games website to update themselves then. Well, they actually emailed me this year saying sign up for the Open for your first Open. So <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah, Joe, for the badges, it was like, get your first open badge. I was like, ah, oh, this would actually be my 13th open, but. <laughs> Crikey. Well, okay, well, enough said. Um, I need to tell you a bit of a fangirl story before we begin. My, I know that you're a big animal lover. You have Teddy and, and Groot. Yep. Your, pup, your puppies. I have a cat and her name is Samantha and she's named after you because she is the cat that never gave up. She's so oh. persistent. She's so determined. She kind of um, showed up at our door one day and just never left. And she was just like, this is somebody who shows a lot of persistence and resilience. And I'm going to call you Samantha Briggs. And I don't know if that makes you happy or not, Sam, but it's oh, something, that, something that really, um, really kind of comes across to me that you are that sort of determined person who just keeps on trucking and doesn't let anything face her or get in the way. No, awesome. Very honoured. Thank you very much. I'll tell her. She's, um, she's probably sitting at the door at the moment crying because she hasn't been fed yet. So how are you? How is life with you over there? Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, uh, speaking of dogs, they have just been for a walk and I've just run upstairs. Hi. <laughs> are they coming in? Uh, yeah, I'm good. They're just they're wild. <laughs> um, just now trying to make a new norm um i've been working in the fire service now for this is my third month so starting to get into a little bit more of a habit and uh, finding out what works and what doesn't work like on that schedule and stuff so how's the transition been for you from full-time athlete to firefighter because it seems to me to be a huge change yeah, I think uh, I think the hardest part was uh, going through the academy again because just going from training full time to having very little time to train. They um, we were in school from eight a.m. until four p.m. Um, we had a lot of work to do and study to do on an evening, um, and so my like time to train that was. Like I like made myself an hour window and that's all I just to go and do something. 
And it was hard to go from having all the time in the day to being super tired from being like in school all day to doing the training to then having to eat prep food for the next day and then like study before going to bed. It was like definitely a a big culture change. Uh, Now that I'm actually out on station, it's a lot better because I actually have a little bit of free time instead of being studying or in school. It's like I'm on shift for 24 hours and then I get two days off. So um, I actually have a little bit more time where I can actually like breathe now and get into a little bit more training. It sounds almost like some of the interviews I've done with with university students who've got to pack in so many different things into a day, including like trying to get in double training and go to lectures and everything else. They're doing that for like months and months on end. So I guess there's a lot of people listening who can probably uh, empathize with that struggle to try to fit in work and training at the same time, especially now training isn't work any longer. No, definitely. So um, it was definitely different. And um, because of the uh, problem that I was having with my knee last year, it was definitely a lot more of kind of like a strip back and let's try and rebuild because obviously for the job that I'm doing, I need to be physically fit. I need to be able to use my legs to um, like carry people to we walk like when we're in full fire kit with um, our packs on. It's an extra like 60 to 80 pounds on, on top. So it's like it's a, a lot of weight. So my training was very much just trying to keep a level of fitness and then try and rebuild, get the leg uh, moving better again, as opposed to um, just doing CrossFit. So, Are you feeling better now? Is it uh, back to fitness? Um, so with the knee, uh, basically, I have no cartilage left in the knee. So the knee will never be uh, 100%. It was... Um, it will, I will need a knee replacement down the line. Uh, so it's kind of like prolonging that for as long as possible. I, ideally, I, I don't want to have a knee replacement yet. I'd much rather uh, try and like hold it off for 10, 20 years. So we'll see. We're doing a lot to try and build strength around it. And like I'm doing a lot of movements now, pain-free and lifting pain-free. I'm just definitely not at the weights that I was before or the intensity yet but but things are building I saw that you posted about being frustrated with your with the squat the weight you were squatting but that looking on the bright side you were feeling healthy so yeah no for sure like sometimes you just get those days where you you just like you see everybody else lifting heavy weights and you're like I just want to lift heavy <laughs> Yeah, it's um in your in the job that you're doing now of the the other guys and and girls in the fire station, do they train? Would you train with them or do they train? Is there a gym in the station? How did you do? You guys work out together? Is there a culture yeah, we there? Have a, we have a gym every station. So I work for the city of Hamilton, and um like part of their like what they expect you to do on a day. One of the things is um, your physical fitness. So every station has a has a gym. And I suppose it's the same as anywhere. There's some people who are more into fitness than than others. And uh, so you get a you get a mixture of people who just want to go in and do some weights. Some people want to go in and just do some cardio. And then you get a, a few. I mean there's a couple of people who work there that do uh, CrossFit. 
and so you do get that mix of um of people there is it still unusual to be a woman firefighter? Are you still in a minority? Because, I mean, in Spain, where I am, I think in our entire fire service in Palma, there's three women. Yeah. Is it the same over there? Yeah, for sure. There's, um I'm trying to think, I think there's like five or six um, females in the city of Hamilton. Uh, and I think they have just over 100 firefighters. So... It is still a small portion, but it's one of those things. It's like a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of people who train CrossFit, like in my mind, being a firefighter is one of the greatest jobs in the world. And like I say to people, oh, you'd be great. You should do that. And not everybody wants to do it. (laughs) So it's one of those things. So until more females actually want to do the job, it probably is going to be a male dominated job. Sell the job to me. Why is it good? Oh, I just just love it. Like I think the the sense of making a difference when you when you're doing the job and you actually uh, can help somebody. Um, for for most people, when we get called, if they dial nine one one or nine nine nine, it's like it's an emergency. They're having like the worst day of their life, and we go and for the most, we can make things better for them. I mean, it's not. of the time that we're successful, but I'd say 90% of the time we can actually make somebody's day better for them. It's, um, is it really different, the fire service in America to the UK? I mean, it's such a long time ago that you were working in the fire service in the UK. I I kind of imagine there's been a lot of developments anyway. What are the differences for you? Um, so the main difference is, uh, in the UK, you just, it's just fire and rescue service and the ambulance service is separate in, uh, where I am, um, it's together. So for example, the station where I'm based, there's a fire engine and an ambulance and the fire engine will, uh, turn out to a lot of the jobs to back the ambulance up. So you've got extra manpower. And so we all have to be trained. So I'm currently an EMT. So I'll, I only ride on the fire engine at the moment. So I, I can back up and I can help set things up and help just have an extra set of hands for them. But I'm not qualified yet to administer any drugs or anything like that. I'll do my year's probation and then I'll have to go back to school to uh, be a paramedic. And then once I'm a paramedic, you'll do one shift on the fire engine and your next shift will be on the ambulance and you rotate kind of like that. When you were a professional full-time athlete, was it always your intention to return to firefighting once you'd stopped competing on a regular basis? So I don't think I really thought about it um too much until it was kind of like getting that time to start thinking about retirement and then uh i actually witnessed a car crash and uh basically this van had lost control and came hurtling down the road and hit another car head on and so the car actually flipped over the van and landed upside down and Without even thinking, I like pulled off um, and packed up and ran over, got straight into the car to check that there was no like children in the back. And then I stayed in the car and kept the driver uh, calm until the um, fire service and paramedics arrived. And it was doing that when I was driving home afterwards, I was like, that's what I'm meant to be doing. It's like this, 
And because I was approaching 40 at the time, I didn't even know if it would be possible Mm. for me to um, get back into the fire service. So I started doing a little bit of research and spoke to some people that uh, are firefighters over here in the US and the city of Hamilton were hiring and their cutoff was 41. Oh, oh. Uh, so ba- so basically it meant right okay I need to do this now I need Hustle. to yeah this if I'm gonna do it and I really am serious about going back it's now so that's why um last year was my last definite last year as an individual um enrolled into uh the fire academy which was due to start the second week of August so I was I was all in it's like right okay let's let's do this year and then we're straight into the academy I was like that's no no rest let's just roll straight in so that I could be employed and onto the pension scheme before I was 41. Because I was I was at the games last summer and watching not only the athletes on the on the competition floor, but also some very special people yelling and screaming in the stands as well. I took that picture of you yeah. with your arms up, wearing your cactus shirt, and it. Was, and I wondered at the time, maybe you could would consider a, a career in coaching or just cheerleading. <laughs> I think uh, a lot of people expected that. I got a lot of comments um, when I retired. Uh, that they were like oh we just expected you to go into coaching and I think you have to be you have to be a certain person to be a coach and a certain person to be a firefighter and like I loved coaching Emma and I've done a little bit of coaching of other people but it's not my true passion whereas firefighting was firefighting kind of lit me up and was what I was passionate about and I was exceedingly passionate about it for the 10 years that I was a firefighter back in the UK so it just made sense I had that same passion as an athlete but I didn't have that enjoy a little bit of coaching but it wasn't what kind of like fueled me I speak when I spoke to Emma late last year she said you were the perfect person to have with her because you knew exactly when to kick her up the butt and then exactly when to give her sweets yeah. Yeah. You were a good person to have on in, in the corner. You know, you're the good ring man from that point of view. I think I, I like to keep things very lighthearted as well. So like when when somebody's getting stressed, I like to think that I can at least bring a little bit of humor to any situation and kind of kind of just chill her out before the event. Yeah. It's um so you don't have any plans to compete in the future. I see you as trying out high rocks for some reason. To me it seems like a a great option for you but I guess with the new yeah, maybe I mean, not um I did the high rocks uh world champs two years ago was it in 2020 the uh, in covid year yeah I enjoyed it um I don't know like I don't come on come say hi we've got somebody joining us come on hello puppy oh hi nice coat <laughs> we had snow and he's a he's the oldest dog but he's the baby <laughs> he doesn't like being cold this is Groot yeah you're saying hi hey mate he doesn't like being cold so to go outside he has to have his little fleece on yeah i'm the same i have a little tiny dog that um is very old and he doesn't go anywhere without his jumper on basically because he's my baby yeah it's not even the fact that he's very old he's just spoiled very sensitive (laughs) did you get him in america did you travel did you bring him over no yeah we got him in america so what was i saying yeah hi rooks 
yeah, so I did that. I enjoyed it. And just never say never. Like at the moment, I'm just kind of taking every week as it comes. We only decided to do the open kind of the day before the open. Mm. I was like speaking to my coach and he he was kind of against me doing it, but because it might light a fire. Well, just not to put back any of the hard work that we'd done to try and like correct some movement patterns and correct some uh, issues that was going on. And so I made a promise that how about we see what the workouts were and if I could do them, I'd do them. And if it was something that was going to send me back, then I wouldn't do it. And so he, he agreed to those terms. And so we did the open. 23.1 23.1 seemed to suit you quite well. Well, it turns out that even if you don't really train, you're still good at what you were good at. But what <laughs> you were bad at, you get even worse at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me really happy to see your name on the leaderboard, to be honest. I was happy to see you up there. It makes me, but as, a, as an, uh, an old bird, I like to see like people like who just keep pushing themselves and pushing themselves. And it's not just about being 21 and some kind of elite mega athlete. You can still, you know, go out there and show people what you're made of, which I think is, is a, inspires me and a lot of other people in my gym anyway. So as a fellow Brit who lives abroad, because I'm in Mallorca, I can imagine that there's a lot of, well, some differences between living in the UK and living in the States. And I was just wondering because this is Europe is coming, this is a podcast talking about European athletes. What is it like for you as a kind of fish out of water to live in the States when, you know, your roots are so strongly back in the UK? Uh, I think a lot of it's people understanding what you say. So uh, one of the things now where I'm working, they'll make me send messages over the radio just to like try and like trick people and to see what people say. (laughs) But I definitely slowed down my speaking and tried to clarify and not lose my Yorkshire accent, but I definitely had to try and pronounce some words a little bit different so that people aren't always just looking at me confused. And Are you ever tempted to put on an American accent just to confuse them? Oh, I do a terrible American accent. It's the worst. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Sam's had a stroke. <laughs> I save people from that. So there's nothing that you miss from from the UK that you can't get in the States now. I mean, it's, it must be pretty easy to get hold of, like, foods. Yeah, and- like, most of the things, one thing is, like, decent pizza. Like, I love that in the UK there were so many little, like, pop-up shops where they would do, like, proper traditional Italian-style pizza, whereas America it's all the big, thick, covered in cheese pizza and I'm like I just want like a really nice pizza a thin crispy pizza yeah yeah not the deep pan dough yeah but other than that it's just more the the people obviously I mean I I have like good people around me here but you still miss like the people that I grew up around obviously my family's still in the UK and then um Obviously, Train Manchester, we opened opened that up at the beginning of 2012. And you make some lifelong friends. So I spent I spent a lot of my life with, with Darren. Uh, so you definitely 
miss him, miss the miss the other guys. I mean, I would train in there hours on end so, and grab everybody and talk everybody into training with me. And uh, you make you make good bonds. So yeah, I say that you um, you train at a CrossFit box called Cornerstone. Yeah. So have you managed to find a community there? Is it something? I mean, I can't. You wouldn't. I'm not saying it's the same as Train Manchester, but there's a CrossFit community yeah, no. that's similar there. Yeah, it's an awesome gym. So I found that gym um, during lockdown, actually. Uh, I was getting physio treatment and one of their locations was actually in the in the gym. And I was in one day and the owner, Melissa, was saying, hey, you know, like your job is an athlete. If you need a space to come and train, you're more than welcome to come and use the gym. And I'd been training in a garage unit with, Paul Groot just sat every day staring at me and that was kind of like my life for months so to then be able to go into a gym and like actually see other people and at the time like she would jump in some of my workouts and then there was another girl Marie started coming and she would jump in and before long we had a a group of us like training so it was actually really nice that they opened up the gym for me and made me part of the community. I think we when we have elite athletes training in amongst regular people in the gym, it sometimes can be very intimidating to be next door to, for example, oh, let me think, Laura Horvat, for example, because <laughs> sometimes she's training in Mallorca. And it's um, as a regular person, it can be a bit uh, like scary to, as you think, I can't keep up with this person. There's no way. And it's all of a sudden your ego is so, like, running away with you thinking but I should be able to keep up with the second fittest woman in the world of course you can't but it's my husband says that in the Olympics you should have like the 100 meter dash and then you should have a regular person running alongside you saying bolt so you can see how much faster you say because it's just like night and day when you have like elite people elite athletes around you so when you're in that kind of situation it must be um great to be able to fit in and to have um to feel welcome because in the end that essence of crossfit that original seed of crossfit is really what inspired a lot of us to start i think the community i wanted to ask you about when you like if we look at from 2013 until now 2023 so 2013 when you were top dog on the podium and now 10 years on and now we're looking at the new generation of athletes that are coming up. What do you think, from your experience, what do you think you would tell them to prioritize as they're going into the sport of CrossFit coming up through the teenage years? Um, I think they probably have everything already in hand. Uh, it's like you see uh, all the younger ones coming up now and they're already part of like a well-established community. They already have knowledgeable like coaches they already have nutrition dialed in they already have all these things in place that when we started crossfit nothing was known Mm. we didn't know how to train for the games we didn't know how much volume we should be doing we didn't know about peaking we didn't know about nutrition and supplementation so all these different things like and it was no fault of the coaches back then because the sport was so new the coaches were learning as well so mistakes had to be made and if you think about the kind of 
the way that we trained back then it was like intensity was like everything you beat yourself down day in day out and just tried to hold on whereas now there's so much pacing peaking like you go on strength cycles then you go on a gymnastic cycle and everything's all like planned out the full years like planned out so that you get to the games and you're the fittest version of yourself and it's pretty awesome to see that like teenagers coming through already have that in place and I think that's why you're seeing such incredible performances from such young athletes they haven't had to go through the breaking the body down before they can, can be built up. And so it's awesome to it's awesome to see. And like it's definitely gonna take the sports definitely gonna grow. And you're gonna see like an exponential growth in what athletes are capable of. Um, because from a young age they're having it all laid out and set up for them. So I think it's pretty cool to see. So given that what you just said, I'm I'm kind of imagining that what you would do differently is not break yourself every workout because I, that's what I've I've read about what happened yeah. when you were training at the beginning that like you really intensity was everything, huh? Yeah, for sure. Like I mean, like we were just learning, and also if you think about all the athletes, like it wasn't around when we were kids, so we all did other sports and were most likely broken from other sports and had to retire from other sports when we then found CrossFit. So a lot of athletes were kind of had a past life before them becoming athletes. I mean, my first CrossFit games, I was 28, 28. I started CrossFit when I was 27. My first games was when I was 28. And now you're looking and they're, they're going to the get CrossFit games at 17. Mm. It's amazing. We have a, in Mallorca, we're going to have a competition soon called The Crown, which is um, 10 teenage athletes invited to come to compete. And it's going to be an intense weekend because they're 10 of the best in the world coming. It's really going to be exciting. I think one of the things that as a mother... I think one of the things that I'm concerned about really is their emotional development, not so much their physical development, because developing that, psychologically developing um, how to deal with competitions at an early early age is really tough and difficult. When you look at somebody like Hayley Adams, for example, she dealt with a lot of things and had to, and has taken a year off to sort herself out and to, and to come back stronger, she says. And I think it's uh, for young people, for anybody, to be honest, dealing with competition, and especially when you when you want to win but you lose it's very it's a really it's a tough personality test as much as anything yeah I think as well just kind of the public side of things like everything there they already have at that age all the sponsors and all the like things that they have to do to get this sponsorship money to live the life that they're they're living so everything's in the public eye and like a lot of social media people can be so cruel Mm. And I just think back to kind of like when I first got into that social media life and you'd see people make awful, like hurtful comments and like how I felt as like a 28, 29 year old turning 30 year old where I'd had all this life experience. So I was able to deal with it, but it still sucked. It still like hits you hard. And I just think, imagine if I'd have been like 17 at that time. I was able to like, okay, let's, let's look at this realistically. Let's just kind of, Mm. and like now I just laugh at it now. It's like, (laughs) okay, I've had, I've had all this time. If somebody comments on stuff, it's like, okay, whatever. 
Yeah. But that's like if you're coming through at like 16, 17, like I can imagine that hits you so much like harder and would be hard to deal with. And I think that's a good thing that a lot of the younger athletes are already with some kind of training camp. So even if they're not that close to their coach, they might have other um, female uh, role models within that training camp that they might be able to talk to and hopefully like support them through things like that. Yeah, there's, um, I think that uh, you've got, I was looking at your Instagram today, you have a sizable amount of followers. It's cool to see so many like positive comments on things that you post. But, you know, you talk to people like some of the younger athletes and they have the whole dick pics and all sorts of things going on in their in their private messages. And do you get that too? I don't even go into the private messages. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just open a, a huge can of worms. It's like, mm. it's not worth it. I'm like, I'm sorry if you've sent me a nice message, but I'm not going in there because of the number of not so nice messages that you get. Yeah. It's a pond, like a dark, murky pond. Because that's um, it's and then becomes it's important to have a decent manager, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way forward for so many people. It's like otherwise you can't focus on the thing that you actually need to do, which is being a good athlete, because you have so many other commercial responsibilities around it. For so the social media, you are a channel. Oh, definitely. And I think it takes a strong person, like. Uh, when you're young and if a company comes to you and wants to sponsor you, you're like so honored and then they will try and get as much out of you as possible. And so if you don't have somebody that's there to look out for your interest, you could end up doing so much for your sponsors that you're not spending enough time either not training or not recovering properly. And then it just becomes detrimental. Yeah. So given that you're not going to be competing at least officially this year. <laughs> I, m- I might do the age group qualifiers depending on what they are. It's the same principle that we have to discuss the workouts that come up and see if I'm allowed to do the workouts. What's the things that you're not allowed to do? Uh, I can't get lunge. The The leg does not want to let me lunge. Okay. So if you have any overhead dumbbell lunges, you're out. Yeah. So something like that where... I could probably fight through. I couldn't lunge last year and we had lunges in the Asian quarterfinals, uh, in the individual quarterfinals. And it was with handstand push-ups and I fought the way through and it was a different marking or diff- something was different about the handstand push-ups that we didn't do. So I had to, had to redo it. I had to do it twice. So, but last year I was fully committed to doing the season so it it wasn't even a question in my mind it was like you'll force yourself to do the lunges you'll you'll do them whereas I don't quite need to do that now (laughs) how does it feel to like give yourself the freedom to say I'm not going to do that does it is it actually like makes you happy or do you think is there some regret there that you can't I wouldn't say regret it's just kind of different priorities it's like I can't risk my knee swelling up and then me not being able to do anything. And then I'm working the next day and I can't actually walk up and down stairs or something. It's like, I can't do that anymore. That's not my priority. I had a lot of people asking if I was doing quarterfinals this weekend. And I'm like, no. And they're like, why? But you're in the top percentile. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm good. And they like look at me like really confused. I'm like, I'm good. 
move it. Yeah, I'm fine now. Thanks for asking. I've proved everything I need to prove to myself and I'm doing the next thing on the list. Is that really it's like tick now moving on? Or is there like you said before that you were as an individual, is there any chance of you considering team at some point in the future? Or are we just I think team would be even worse. I would probably have to be even fitter and even stronger to like be on a team. So I think actually knowing what I know about you, I think that that would be absolutely, it would be fatal if you were on a team because you'd be like the most loyal, everybody let's get through this together, carrying people over the line sort of person, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't even know why I asked that question. That was a dumb one. So given that you're not going to be competing officially this year, but you might do the age group qualifiers, will we see you at the games in any capacity? Will you go along to support Emma, for example, or are you going to, Give, give it a miss or I mean what's your feeling about CrossFit games at the moment yeah I've um I've already got somebody um covering my shifts for uh that weekend um so Emma like was asking me uh, I was trying to sort out to come over for semi-finals and I couldn't make it work so I'm out actually in the UK in May and so I think Emma wanted me to be there for semi-finals we just couldn't make it work so I promised that um I would make sure that I could get my shifts covered and I'd be there for the games. How long have you known Emma? I'll have to get a new shirt. I can't wear the Nacho average coach again. I need something else. Yeah. <laughs> you could get some t-shirt designs going and sell them. Yep. Yep. Be a new uh, new rogue sideline. Fittest coach on earth. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, how long have you known Emma? How long have you been mates with her? 2016. So actually, she came on a gymnastics seminar. Uh, I held at Train Manchester in 2013. I think it was either just before I won or just after I won. It was like in 2013 sometime. And then it was 2016. We did regionals together. I didn't really know her, but she knew some of the people that I knew. So we were kind of in the athlete area and stuff. Um, together and then I saw that she had shoulder surgery and was back training within like a short space of time and that was the year at the games where I was having problems with my shoulder and we found out that I had labrum and bicep tendon tear so I got in touch with her and I was like if you don't mind I'd love to know kind of like what your rehab and stuff looked like I'm gonna have to go in for shoulder surgery and Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, here's my stuff. She was like, send me your MRI. I'm going to send it to my physio. She got in touch with her surgeon. I ended up flying out to Ireland and staying with her and seeing her physio. And I can't, And then I think I left back to Manchester and then came back for the surgery. I had the surgery and then uh, we just stayed in touch and she would come and train in Manchester and I would go over and train in Ireland. And then we just became really good friends. Kindred spirits, really, by yeah. the sounds of it. It's like meeting each other in a in the same place. It was just kind of like so nice that like she was willing to go that extra mile. It's like she knew that her surgeon was a good surgeon and he'd done a good job on her shoulder and got her back to being like competitive again. And um to be able to make that work for for me and to get me back competing was was awesome. It's like, wow, why would you not want to be friends with somebody who's willing to do that? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, apart from Emma, 
who surely get back to the games this year and hopefully be even getting a better place than last year. Who do you have your eye on for potential kind of glory and victory this year? Who do you think is going to shine in the females? Obviously, Mal's proven that she's got what it takes. Um, I think it'll be it'll be a good battle at the top. It's not going to be kind of like Tia running away with it or something like that. Like Mal's amazing, Laura's amazing, but I think you're going to see like people come in between them. Like, say, if Laura wins a workout, there's going to be people coming in between and then Mal and then Mal will win their workout and there's people going to come in between and then Laura. So I think you'll see a lot of shifting. It's like if you look at Paige Powers and uh, Emma Lawson are both doing awesome as well. Amazing. And that's just the the new breed coming up. You look at those that have been around for a long time that are still capable of going and like winning events and taking those vital points. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer up at the top than we've seen for, for a long time. I'm excited to see it. Emma Lawson really impressed me last year when she did the press conference on day one when she had the white jersey on and she yeah. just answered the questions. So she was 17 at the time, I think. And she yeah. answered all the questions so elegantly and with so much confidence and was just, you know, humble but confident and just, Perfect. I was really impressed with how she handled that kind of position that she was in at that point. So yeah, the future is really exciting. So final question, what are you doing for your birthday? I'm working. I'm on a 24-hour shift. <laughs> I hope, do they know it's your birthday? Yeah, yeah, they will do. I'll have to cook them something special. So uh, <laughs> I'll be Googling some recipes. <laughs> what are you going to make them? So I have... Um, a big chuck roast that I'm going to do. And I think I'm going to make some kind of like Mexican barbacoa. So then we can just have like tacos and like shredded beef and stuff. I was hoping you were going to say apple crumble or something really English, you know, like fetching a steak and kidney pie. But I'm not actually good at anything like that. So I'd need, I'd need my grandma to fly over. <laughs> crumble is quite hard, actually. I've got to, yeah, you're true. But it's like something English, something with custard. <laughs> oh, I, I love a bit of custard. Um, I wanted to say that I was looking up um, because you were born in 1982, which uh, makes you Year of the Dog. Did you know that? Oh, that's, that might be why I have such a kindred spirit with these little pups. Yeah. It says dogs are loyal and honest, amiable, kind, cautious and prudent. Due to having a, a strong sense of loyalty and sincerity, dogs will do everything for the person who they think is most important like it yeah me too thanks very much for your time sam i'm really happy that i got to talk to you and i'll see you at the games with um i'm sure a lovely jazzy t-shirt on yeah definitely for sure i'll have to like try and think of some good ideas <laughs> thank you very much no problem it's so cool to talk to you yeah no problem at all glad uh, glad we could make it work thank you very much thank you sam and happy birthday i hope to see you at the games if you enjoyed the show please do share it with your friends and hit the subscribe button. It all helps the show to grow. This episode was presented by me, Vicky McLeod, and edited by Marta Vidal-Candel. Until next time, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod.